0: This is Grown Up and Grounded, a podcast where two women, a mother and a daughter, talk about everything. Hey, you're listening to Grown Up and Grounded. This is Trish, the mom of this duo, and I'm here with... Kate! Yay! No surprises there. I know, no surprises. The same as usual. (laughs) My my partner in crime for this. Hell yeah! Uh, We are coming to you post The 2020 election, uh, we definitely kind of put off recording until things calmed down and we could deal with not just what was going on politically, but like our own stress and anxiety from all that, I think.
1: Yes. And I think we wanted to be able to record something that was topical and not us just continuing to get distracted by (laughs) uh, our mental um... anguish. Uh, yeah, like, and, <laughs> you know, focusing so much on, we were, we were very, very focused on uh, the election. I don't think we would have been able to focus much on anything else. So now that is behind us. And as of this morning,
0: uh, yes. Biden
1: is called for the winner. So that's very exciting for us, obviously.
0: Prior to, to the lawsuits, result. et cetera, et cetera. But yes, here we are.
1: Yes, of course. There's, there is still a long road ahead of us, but, um, as of this morning, I feel as though a weight has been removed from my shoulders and I can breathe a little easier and seeing all the celebrations has just made me very, very happy. So
0: it's interesting because we went into this, I honestly felt like 45 was going to win again. Like that was my mindset. So I, and I had dealt with it. I was like, this is just, it it is what it is. And I'll have to find ways to To deal with that in my own life um but then when it when it got to the point of wait this this could be a biden thing i started having so much anxiety like then my anxiety kicked in because i wasn't mentally prepared for it to be that way Mm -hmm. to like Mm -hmm. be so close and so Mm -hmm. that up and down roller coaster of like arizona is no arizona isn't arizona is nevada we're waiting Mm -hmm. on nevada like (laughs) You know, just, like, all of that. I just, Yes. It, oh, my gosh, it, there was so it, much. I was, week. like, physically sick. Like, I just, I can't, yeah. my mind can't handle this. Like, just do something. Like, I, I'm prepared to deal with either one. Um, But please, the up and down was just torture. Mm-hmm. So. And see,
1: I was the opposite. Like, I was not prepared at all for a Trump re-election. Like, at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was so sure that as a country we were going to reject the racism and just everything that he stood for. Like I was, so I was, I I was honestly, maybe naively convinced. So in the beginning when it was so overwhelmingly red, which everybody said was going to happen, right. Mm -hmm. Because in-person votes are counted first and easier to tabulate. So of course the initial, Mm -hmm. yeah. So of course the initial um, wave is going to look very red. I still was just so anxiety ridden about it. Like so nervous that it was going to stay that way. Um, that it, for me only got easier as the days went on and, you know, more and more results were counted. Like I, I just, every day felt like I was breathing a little easier. Yeah. So it was very, a very different, um, sort of effect on me.
0: And I really thought we'd flip the Senate like easily and obviously it's yeah, down to the freaking wire to run off. Votes. Yeah.
1: I mean, I am sort of surprised by that, that, um, You know, again, maybe I naively um, thought that a lot of uh, maybe I mean, and I just thought people were going to be tired of incumbents in general, just like over the lack of results. So people were just going to vote in new leadership. And in most cases, that was going to be blue. But, you know, that clearly wasn't the case which is fine you know we just got to make sure we show up for the midterms just as strong very, well i very mean important. the thing
0: is it's t- so in georgia i don't know if you're aware of this because i was reading about it to try to figure out what the heck is actually going on in mm-hmm. georgia they have a state law which is not the same in every state this is why we should have across the board uh, election rules but that's another thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: that you have to win by 50 percent in order to be called the winner so in one of the center mm-hmm. races there is Just a Democrat and just one Republican running and both of them got like 49%. -hmm. So they're going to have to do a runoff. Mm -hmm. And then in the other race, it was like 20 different people from both parties ran. And Mm -hmm. so nobody got, um, nobody got 50%. The person that received like 49% was the Democrat. Mm-hmm. So, they're going to do a runoff between the people who got the two top votes, and then they're going to redo mm-hmm. that. Ele- they're going to have a special election. So, technically, mm-hmm. uh, the Senate is way up for grabs because with Biden and Harris winning, we would only need one mm-hmm. uh, to. Because the, the, yeah. the
1: VP would break a tie. Yeah. Because
0: the VP would break a tie. And if we happen to get both, then there's looking good uh, looking good so it's pretty crazy that it's really come down to two runoffs
1: i know i mean i guess that's what i was surprised by just how close it was i thought it was going to be a little bit more overwhelming but i mean i'm fine with whatever at this point
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i'm even fine with us not flipping the senate it's going to make it hard i mean my my biggest concern was biden would win and then it would be a republican controlled senate and then everyone would be like they were with Obama, like you didn't do anything. You, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was just like, yeah, he couldn't, his hands were tied because everything, you know, in order to compromise, he had to give up a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even uh... if
1: that's the case, you know, I I mean, I don't know. I I feel like we're in a great position to flip the Senate in two years during the midterm. So regardless, I can, I can handle two years of not a lot getting done if it means the last two years are, you know, super progressive.
0: But even if you look at it, like, with it being tied now, because we did gain two seats, that um, if we if we would need less to change their vote to to have yes. something go through as well. So there's but that. But
1: I, I hold zero hope that anyone will change their vote. Um,
0: I don't know. I think a lot of things anyways. are in that way. But uh, mm, because I think some, I, I think there were in the past, you know, like them changing one vote. uh didn't make a difference so the the a Republican person was like well why would I change my vote and potentially alienate my party if it's not going to change the outcome I don't know I don't know I mean I'm obviously giving them a lot of credit in the end but it does make it easier either way for the most part to find someone with a moral ground Um, I mean and McConnell's hand is rotting I can't believe he's gonna uh, whatever's going on with him is going to last too long, anyways. Yeah. Not that Kentucky wouldn't vote in another Republican, but just saying. We'll see what happens. Anyways. He, sh- he should have um, stayed, stayed away from Voldemort's ring, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very true. <laughs> I mean, it's well documented what that will do.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, even Dumbledore fell for it, though. So I guess. True, it's true, easy true. To
0: I mean, even a good man did. So. Uh,
1: I mean, Dumbledore, good question mark.
0: You know, really, there's, that there's sounds a like a topic for a whole nother episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, my, I have my opinion on it, but uh, it seems as people have gotten older and reread Harry Potter, uh, the consensus is Dumbledore was actually a pretty shitty person. Hmm. So I have a... we, we can discuss that. We that that's that's something we could definitely discuss. <laughs> yeah. Now I that mean, our minds are I... free, we don't have to think about politics twenty four seven. Only like you know.
0: Well, I don't think that's going go to go away, to be time. honest, uh, on some level. We can think about it less. Yes. I mean, I think fighting okay. racism or being anti-racist and fighting for rights of minorities is never going to go away. The fight obviously. is not
1: over, but that does not mean we need to remain all consumed.
0: <laughs> True. Um, the
1: benefit of Biden winning is that we can take a day off. Sure. We alternate days off so that someone's always on the clock. But we can take <laughs> a day off for our own mental health.
0: Okay, but back to Dumbledore. I mean, I think he, even though he's a wizard, had human traits, and obviously humans are evolving, and so I, I don't think he was always perfect. As is no one. Just saying.
1: Let we see. We were going to talk about this later. Yeah, I'm just. Let's I just want to finish
0: on that. That's all. I
1: know, but you haven't heard the other
0: side. True. 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 Okay. I'm just laying my foundation. I support okay. Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make buttons. Uh, Team Dumbledore. Uh,
1: Dumbledore's Army? Those are Dumbledore's
0: Army. Buttons. Those are already buttons. Yeah. But there you I
1: did. go. Don't reinvent the wheel, you know? Save yourself the trouble. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. There's so many things we could talk about. That is just hilarious. Anyways, <laughs> we were going to discuss today uh, because some articles I saw during the quarantine phase of the pandemic uh, were about mm-hmm. normal mar- marital hatred and how being quarantined with your spouse, that just kind of is amplified.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm so apparently
1: normal marital hatred is like a thing that has, like a, a term, like a, a psychological term yeah, that I would say. has existed you know pre shelter in place uh but there's been a lot more articles about it since shelter in place and a lot more sort of buzz I guess um and just the whole concept of sometimes I hate my spouse like is that normal (laughs) so that's what we're going to discuss today
0: I think first we should talk about the idea of quote-unquote hating Mm
1: mm-hmm
0: because I, don't, I
1: feel like hatred is the wrong word to use. Me for too. This.
0: Right. I think normal marital, marital hatred sounds good as like a phrase defining how your spouse can do things that literally grate every last nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, but to but when you really analyze it, like hatred, just I think maybe you're hating the things they do, but not hating your spouse. It's mm-hmm. probably a better. I don't know. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts
1: on that? I mean, I personally, I agree. And obviously this is coming from someone who has never been married. Um, and I should say, you know, a, a big part of this, um, this phenomenon says, you know, in the, in the beginning of a relationship, the first couple of years, you're still in that, I think the article that we're mostly going to be talking about calls it like a chrysalis Um, Mm -hmm. where you're, you're, you know, you're very much, maybe not in the honeymoon stage. I don't think that that lasts several years, but you're in that phase where, you know, the rosy glasses are still sort of on and it's, it's much more difficult for your significant other to grate on your nerves in the same way versus, you know, when you're five, 10 years in, um, it's their, their bad habits or their annoying habits or whatever are a little bit more on on display Uh, you don't overlook them in the same way that you do in the beginning obviously i'm still within that first couple of year window of my current relationship Um, so although we have been sheltered in place together this whole time uh, there has definitely been no hatred on our sides uh, for for either one of us so it's, it's it's difficult for me to speak from a place of uh, an intense amount of knowledge here I was in a relationship for eight years uh but I don't know if that would be the best example for me to call from in my personal life either so well I think what I'm trying to say is be. I'm not a personal expert here necessarily I feel like that's just important to know and yeah I mean using my knowledge of that I definitely know that after you know it's usually like the three to four year mark at least for me that's when stuff starts to get like okay like these little things actually really do annoy me and I can't pretend like they don't anymore. But, um, you know, we'll see how that goes in my current relationship. Um, but regardless, I don't really feel like you should ever hate your partner. Um, yeah. If I, if I were to feel like I hated my partner, it wouldn't just be, I hate these things that they do. It's like, I no longer can find love in me for you at all. So I again I agree with you. I understand the term, but I don't want it to be misconstrued or misused uh, that it's, it's n- n- like it's not unusual. normal to
0: hate your partner. That's the bottom line.
1: Yeah, let, let's not normalize that. Like definitely normal to be annoyed and frustrated and want to get away from them and not want to spend any more time with them. Like I need a break. Like those things are normal and to feel like if if I hear you you know, pop your bubble gum in that annoying way. I'm using Chicago as a reference here. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't. Um, but you know, if I, (laughs) if I, if I have to listen to you do that annoying thing that I hate one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Like I get that.
0: Well, isn't that the thing about the chrysalis, right? Like you're, you're in that chrysalis and you're still getting to know one another and you realize, uh, you know, we'll go back to the popping gum. Like, Hey, when you pop your gun like that, it drives me crazy. And, and maybe mm-hmm. over that time period, like you've kind of made it clear those first three years. And then at the fifth year or whatever, you're like, you still don't get it. Like it drives me nuts. Yeah. like, mm-hmm. so your, your patience is worn out trying to get them to understand how you feel or, yeah. or yeah. change behaviors that drive you crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is understandable. I mean, it's. I don't even necessarily think it's just a marital thing, although that is the most common relationship where you would see that. I think any relationship.
0: Oh, any, any sort of
1: interpersonal relationship, yeah. Where you are forced to spend long amounts of time together. Um, forced being in air quotes. Obviously, no one like necessarily forces you to move in with somebody else. But, um, you know, when you don't have another place to go, um, and you're spending time together, even maybe when you'd rather be alone, that's going to happen. Uh, I think the difference between a romantic relationship is you also share a bedroom in most cases. So you can't even have that space to get away from like, you know, if you have a roommate, if you want to be alone, you have a room you can go to when it's a, when you're living with a romantic partner, you don't have that in the same sense, you know? Um, And I guess that's where the idea of like, bachelor sheds and stuff like come into play like you need a space to go that where you can get away when you need to get away. Uh I think we've gone a little too far with that as a society. <laughs> that's a different conversation. Um cuz yeah, it's 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 difficult. There there's it doesn't matter how good your relationship is, there's there's no way you're, you could possibly be around 24/7 365 for the next, you know, 40 years and be happy. It just that's not possible. Everybody needs Time and space to be on their own.
0: Yeah, I, uh, what I find fascinating about the whole idea is that generally <clears throat> it's easy to focus on the things that drive you crazy. It's hard to stop. I mean, this is with anything, but it's hard to stop and realize that there are things that you do that drive that person crazy. Like that's, that's when Mm -hmm. you know you have a healthier relationship, right? When you can stand back and say, I'm going to overlook this because I know that he's overlooking Mm -hmm. this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, because if you're feeling that way, obviously your partner is too. Of course. And what's that story? There's that story about the, um, wife, let's just say the wife, the wife who used to get so mad at her husband, like she tried to keep the house spotless. And when he brushed his teeth, there was always like toothpaste splatter on the mirror and she would be so mad. And then after he passed away, she realized that even when she brushed her teeth, there was stuff on the mirror. Do you remember that story?
1: No, I've never heard this in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, it's
0: just like one of those things like, yeah, we're quick to point out what other people do, but Mm-hmm. sometimes we're equally as guilty of it. I don't know the whole story. I'm just and trying to, I it's like from years ago sure. that I heard it, but
1: yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it, I mean, you, I think you got the point across. It's a right? metaphor. It maybe yeah. is, yeah. Um, and I think that that's why people say communication is key to a relationship, right? Like it's so, so important that you both feel comfortable expressing those little things that maybe frustrate you. Like it can't just be one person constantly pointing one thing out and the other, the the other person needs to be comfortable saying, okay, like I'll make an effort on that. But just so you know, it also annoys me when you do this, like that's, that's very important. Um, and being able to have that communication early instead of waiting for it to boil over to the point where like you lose control. Now it's a whole big argument about something that's not even really what you're frustrated about. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But the other, the flip side is to also acknowledging like when there are things that are just getting on your nerves because of other factors, let's say, or are more amplified sure. because of other factors and just letting it go and not even yeah, saying like anything.
1: Yeah, I, I sh- like I had a shitty day at work and I'm upset about something that somebody said to me at work, but I came home and you're here and, you know, whatever. It's, <laughs> yeah. And so now I'm going to be mad about that. Like, yeah, like that's, that's totally understandable. But I also feel like, because it's inevitable that that's going to happen in a marriage, right? where you're not able to check yourself enough to see what's really bothering you. So you get snappy and irritable. Like again, communication is going to come in handy there because if the other person is able to say, Whoa, like, where is this coming from? This is not something like, you know, this isn't something that you've pointed out to me before. So I had no idea or whatever, whatever it might be, you know, that commu that calm communication can keep a fight from happening.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know. Have you met your father? Sometimes calm communication uh, encourages him to just like dig a little bit yeah, for fun. Yeah, calm communication
1: is, is not going to happen uh, when it comes to him. So that's, <laughs> you know, a different sort of conversation. I'm just speaking in general terms, not necessarily for most the people.
0: But yeah, I mean, he does do that. <laughs> like you guys were there the other day when he like, I was so totally annoyed by other things that had happened. And he was just like, <gasps> Like, I'm not saying he didn't have valid points, but he was just like picking at me, picking at me, and I'm just like, now is not the time. Like, just stop. Like, or you're, you're freaking irritating me. I'm already. Yeah, upset. that was pretty <laughs> funny.
1: Me and Sean were just innocent bystanders watching a, a you know, a, a 30 year marital type fight.
0: <laughs> well, I um I always think about the time uh, Becca's friend. I don't. Were you on the trip to Vegas when Carol Ann went? Or was it just Becca, Carol Ann and me and dad?
1: Uh, I was with, I I was on the Vegas trip with Carol Ann. I was not on the Disneyland trip with Carol Ann.
0: Okay. So yeah, the Vegas trip we drove and you know, I drove because dad doesn't really like to drive. Mm -hmm. And um, there was one point where we were trying to get to a hotel parking lot. And like, I have dad telling me what to do because he's anxious. And then there are signs I'm trying to read. Anyways, I made a, I made a, mistake and went like in the wrong direction or something mm-hmm. and dad started complaining and I was just I just like had had enough I just started screaming at him because it was stressful for me like I didn't know where I was going and, and then I <laughs> I remember just like letting loose in like typical fashion of what I do when I'm mad and just like sc- like just stop yeah. talking you know whatever but just I, it was the first, cause I had kind of controlled it cause we had Carol Ann with us, but then I was mm-hmm. just like, uh, and I'm like, sorry, Carol Ann, but like, this is how it is. She, it was kind of the same reaction you guys had. She thought it was hilarious. It's not really hilarious, but like, you know, cause I'm doing the whole, why are you, why am I driving then if you're going to second guess yeah. me? And I
1: mean, know. I think, I think part of the reason it's that bystanders sort of tend to find your guys' arguments hilarious, um, or maybe not hilarious is the right word, but, you know, funny or amusing is because for for all this talk we have about how bad your arguments are and how you guys yell at each other and stuff, like, never once do you guys, like, you know, start calling each other really bad names or like, like, it's, it's, yes, you're arguing and whatever, but it's it's never so bad that it's like awkward to watch, if that makes sense. Like <laughs> I don't it's, know, it's, I just no always one, think about it afterwards, well, I mean, and I
0: feel bad that people had to see to, me screaming. <laughs> I mean, but what I'm
1: trying to say is like no, like it, it. You never get the feeling that like holy shit, their relationship is in jeopardy. Like is this what they're like all the time? Like are they going to get divorced tomorrow? Like it's it's never like that because it's never personal. You guys don't cross the line, and necessarily, you know in, in the way that I have seen other stranger couples like fight on the street, like I've seen people like all of a sudden it's like, well, you're just a effing bitch and blah, 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 blah. Like it never gets to that point. So like for all this talk about how bad your fights are, because we've sort of joked about it a lot. Um, the reason though I, other people can sort of laugh while it's happening is because it's not, it, it doesn't get to that point of just like, okay, like clearly we need to, Everybody else seems to leave the room or anything like that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think there is a part, like there's a point where we, we reach that we're both kind of like, we're mad and yelling, but we're also kind of like being funny and laughing. Like then we're just, I don't know how to explain it because it's hard to imagine, but
1: (laughs) yeah. Like you're, you're mad, but you both are able to see the humor in it too. Like you still, you guys still love each other at the end of the day, even when you're arguing, you still love each other.
0: Yeah. But there, and it's just funny how there are different times where I notice there's dad often talks with his mouth full of food and there are times where <laughs> I just can totally not even realize it. And the other times where I'm just like, dear heavens, they just make the stop. Like just, he mm-hmm. really has to stop talking with his mouth full of food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know what the difference is when I notice it more than others, but yeah, I was just like, Oh, stop.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, external factors have yeah. have a role to play, right? And that's exactly what the article was talking about. Like, you know, there's, there's going to be times where it becomes impossible to overlook or ignore those things that annoy you. And shelter in place has really exasperated a lot of those things, you know, yeah. because you don't have a lot of uh, escape. So it's normal that people are feeling this maybe for the first time in some marriages or relationships
0: true you know? especially newer ones
1: hmm yeah for sure I think I mean uh, I still oh. can't believe that Sean and I stayed with you guys for two weeks and uh had no issues not just because of the me and Sean thing but like holy crap he spent two weeks with my parents and uh <laughs> yeah, still you were wants pretty, you were pretty
0: brave me. were you testing him subconsciously
1: You know, maybe like as, as often as I just continue to fall into that mindset of, I don't deserve a relationship this nice, I should just sabotage it. Um, maybe, maybe I was trying to do that. I don't know.
0: Is it possible (laughs) though, that since your last relationship really had issues with our relationship that you were testing the waters with that too? Oh,
1: absolutely. That wasn't even a secret.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know. It was a secret to me. I didn't know that.
1: Like, no, no. Yeah. It was totally like, yeah, you know, we'll see. Like I'm close with my mom. Let's see what happens. <laughs> let's see let's see what happens.
0: Can you handle it
1: yeah, and the answer it seems is a resounding yes
0: well that's good i um one of the things that struck my mind when uh reading about i I'm, I'm getting back to the art the stuff we read but reading about normal reading about normal marital marital hatred is that um especially since Stan and I have been married so long, like there is a phase that you can go through where all you can focus on, like it's a really easy trap where all you focus mm-hmm. on are the things that bug you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I did talk about that. And it almost becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I can, I don't mm-hmm. know if I can stand this anymore. Or I don't know if I can stand this person or mm-hmm. he's driving me crazy. <laughs> like where that that focus almost creates a situation where you can't stand it. So you, it's, it's almost like you have to take a moment and, and physically shift your your focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that requires being conscious of the pit you're falling into, but mm-hmm. I I can remember there was a time where it was just like I was kind of just focused on everything negative and I really had to mm-hmm. like realize like there's all these great things like you you're looking at the wrong stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially when you think about when you acknowledge that you yourself aren't perfect perfect mm-hmm. and maybe you're, you're their nerves.
1: Like. Yes. Yes. And the, I think the article talked about that really, really well with like, you know, if you, if you catch yourself falling into this, then take a breath and try and list, you know, three things that you love about this person and, you know, do that every time you start to feel that, um, just the, the negative focus, because it's really going to help, um, change your mindset back. And that's a pretty well-known, like, psychological tactic For in sure. general anyways, so it makes sense that it would, you know, work in that situation. And um, I think that's, you know, one of, one of the more important things, because it. I think we talked about this on another episode, um, the, the book The Art of Racing in the Rain, which mm-hmm. is a phenomenal book. Um, I didn't see the movie, so I don't know how the movie adaptation goes, yeah, I but if you saw the movie it, yeah. and didn't like it, trust the book, uh, try the book. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, and I think about this all the time. And this is one of the themes of the book. Um, your car goes where your eyes go, which is like what you you know, what you focus on is where you will end up. So if you focus on only that negative, of course it's going to get worse and worse. And that's where you're going to end up. You're going to end up not being able to remember anything positive about that person because you allowed yourself for months or a year or whatever to only focus on the negative. And I think about that expression all the time in my life. Your car goes where your eyes go. Like that's Mm -hmm. my constant you know, reminder to myself to focus on what I want to achieve or focus on, you know, the positive so that I can end up with a positive mindset I don't know if that makes sense but I think we talked about that expression yeah already. we have
0: and it's before yeah. it's pretty fascinating when you think about it applies to everything like in in sports mm-hmm. like where you where you you have to look mm-hmm. where you want the yep. ball to go when you throw and your body just automatically does that mm-hmm. um horseback riding if you want to turn to the right you've got to look that way and the horse oh my gosh you. so
1: true with horseback riding like yeah. it's amazing how a, a, a well-trained horse is going to be so sensitive. So if you're looking, you know, dr- like right in front of the horse's face, like it's it's going to get there and then stop. Versus if you are constantly looking down the line, that that's where the horse is going to go.
0: Which is really fascinating Why? when you think about the, uh, I don't know, chemistry that you know, like the science behind that whole thing of how our bodies change and h- interact with where where we're focusing our eyesight mm-hmm. on like it, it's quite fascinating I, and yeah, I think it's so much
1: more than you even really realize
0: and the the thing I always think of is even just like I said about a self fulfilled prophecy as far as how your the quality of your relationship goes when you start focusing on the negative then your relationship's mm-hmm. going to be a negative mm-hmm. but exactly. um you know and a good example of that Star Wars fans just like the whole thing with um Anakin, and just he was so focused on wanting he he was so concerned with Padma dying that he was focused on keeping her alive,
1: which he was actually
0: which led to her dying. Like he instead of mm-hmm. focusing on the here and now and like uh, the things, focusing on good things. I don't know. It just I always think about mm-hmm. that, and I saw that no, on TV totally the other true. day. Totally true. That was airing on Halloween. Uh, yeah, I. I think too, though, it's important to note that a lot of this requires, as with any of the stuff that we kind of talk about like goes on a deeper level, or even when it comes to communication, a lot of it requires so much addressing how you feel and acknowledging your feelings so that you can deal with them. And some people, mm-hmm. like we both do that quite often, but a lot of people they are out there don't really want to deal with their feelings or their emotions because of past trauma or, you know, because it's hard. They were never given those skills. Like, many different reasons, but there are a lot of people that don't really want to acknowledge or address how they feel because they're afraid of it, and it just gives it more power.
1: Mm -hmm. It's
0: like the elephant in the room. Yeah. And it starts taking up space.
1: It's very true. Very, very true.
0: Yeah. and I don't know how you connect that I mean I think one of the things is just being open and being willing to be vulnerable and realize that you how you feel is how you feel and having weaknesses around that Mm -hmm. we're not really a society that promotes that in general
1: no No. it's very true
0: no especially for men yeah it is unfortunate right like yeah how do you Again, and I don't, I mean, that would be something that's could probably be a topic for another day. Like how do you start to acknowledge and communicate or or look introspectively at how you feel? So where you can work through almost any problem in your life, right? Because that kind of comes down to dealing with any road bumps in your life from mm-hmm. job to your relationship with money, to your personal relationships, to your romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh. So many things, the space around you even, just like, how does it make you feel? Yeah. But if you don't want to look at how you feel, then that's a whole other issue. Yeah? Show sure is. <laughs> sure is. So, yeah. normal marital hatred is a thing. Mm-hmm. But it if you thing. hate your spouse, there's something else that maybe you want to address what we're saying. (laughs) They don't mean the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've always said kind of at the end of the day, even when dad and I have had hard times, like at the end of the day, when I lay my head down on my pillow, I love my husband and I can't imagine my life with anyone else. So I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of a a good assessment. But if at the end of the day you're thinking other things, then maybe you need to look at at that. Mm
1: -hmm. Maybe it's time for a deeper intervention.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is a taboo topic, but, like, you've kind of been through that where in a relationship kind of wasn't going well and maybe you stayed a little longer than you should have. Um,
1: (laughs) Yes, I have been through that. (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) like, how does... How do you process that kind of... For a long time, I assume there's ignoring... Your, feel- your own personal feelings or like for you, how did that all work out? Like as far as processing it?
1: I mean, I think you go through a stage where you're in denial, but you don't realize you're in denial. That's mm-hmm. like the first stage. Like you're in denial so deep that you don't even realize it. And then you get to the point where you realize you're in denial, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like that realization... Just, cause, just because you have that realization doesn't mean you're ready to act on it. Right. And for me, at least the first time I was in this situation, <laughs> because I'd done it twice, um, I knew I was in denial, but it took me like two years to actually be able to do anything about it. You know, like mm-hmm. you, eventually you'll get to that, you'll get to a breaking point where it's, there, there's no continuing as you have been is no longer an option Mm -hmm. uh but that you know who who knows when that point will come and it's different for everybody and I know for me I needed external factors for it Mm -hmm. I would have never gotten there on my own if it wasn't at least the first time um I guess sort of the second time too
0: I think that's true for a lot of people though that you 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 need something to go to you know you you need a, a way out basically because you don't know how to do it otherwise
1: yeah like you need that push I think that's especially true for relationships um I mean it's really really true for relationships you know like in in my situation I was living with a person and you know we had you know plans to get married so our finances were intertwined and you know there were so many things that I don't think that I would have ever made the decision on my own that it was worth all the trouble if it wasn't for the external factors that, you know, sort of presented themselves. And in my case, the external factors were another person, um, you know, some, someone else that all of a sudden it became worth the trouble. Like I couldn't just leave for me because I thought that it would make me happier. That's not, that's not worth all this trouble. Um, but to do it because there's someone else that I have feelings for that I can't deny that I want to be with. Um, then, then that suddenly becomes worth the trouble. Does that you know? Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think some people kind of do the same thing, uh, where they start like slowly sneaking away money. Like it's not necessarily another relationship, but they start mm-hmm. they slowly say, "I'm just saving this for a rainy day." You know, like they have an exactly. excuse. Exactly. They're to still save in that de- money. Yeah,
1: they're they're still that denial stage where you're you're aware you're in denial, but it's comfortable, so you're going to stay there. But that's when you sort of sometimes start to make those decisions. Like, yeah, I'm just. I'm just doing this for whatever, whatever, you know, and that's, you know, for for me, when I was in that stage where I knew I was in denial, but wasn't ready to do anything about it Uh necessarily, um, that was when I was, you know, sort of seeing that other person and, and indulging those feelings, but I was in complete denial that it was going to go anywhere. Like Uh I, I, you know, I, I was convincing myself or trying to convince myself that it wasn't a big deal. When obviously it, you know,
0: was. Yeah. I know I had a friend who was in a relationship and it, um, I'm just trying to weed through sharing this story, but, um, cause it's not my <laughs> story. It was having a rough time and she shared with me that she was like kind of keeping track of their arguments and the things that, uh, her boyfriend said during those arguments. Mm-hmm. And it was like, just in case, I don't remember what her reasoning was for doing that. And I was just like, you already know there's a problem or you would have never Mm -hmm. started a list. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't start a list of all the horrible things that happen when you fight unless you're trying to convince yourself that you need to take action for yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You're going to do something with that. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I mean, I think women particularly second guess their own emotions. Um, And I think maybe when you're in a negative relationship, the, in my experience, the person that you're in the relationship with convinces you that you're the problem. So then when you, when you start realizing it, you're convinced that you're the problem and.
1: I mean, I think, I think with these, with these talks, like, you know, with these, I don't want to say toxic because I, you know, I feel like that word is thrown around a lot, but, um, a a lot of the time that you're in these sort of relationships that are going sour, um, and it's, you know, maybe not super positive, um, the gaslighting is going to come in at some point, like overwhelmingly the odds are yes, uh, and both sides can do it. Sometimes at the same time, but, you know, it, it, it does make it, it does make that denial phase last a little longer because you'd feel like you can't trust yourself.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can remember being in a relationship where the guy was like involved in all these other relationships and just, constantly coming back to me and just telling me it was no big deal. And, mm-hmm. um, and then one day I, I may have already shared this. And when we were talking about something else, but like one day, um, I happened to be at his house and he wasn't there. Uh, cause I was with his uh, family, but, um, uh, like there's this, I, I came across just like this box of like letters from all these other women and I, mm. I realized, one, that there are more than I knew about, and two, like, all these women think that they're in this deep relationship with this person.
1: hmm
0: And it just, like, gave me yep. permission to just shut it down. Like, whereas I was on the fence before, and then when I saw that, it just, like, hit me mm-hmm. like a rock. Yeah. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: all the things you've been trying to deny are totally true. Just, like, yeah. here you have the hard evidence, and if you continue on this path, you're an idiot. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was just kind of, an, and it it wasn't, I mean, what, we weren't in like a, like I said, he was with them and would come back to me and then go back to them and like, you know, bounce around,
1: mm-hmm. just live in the good yeah.
0: life. And I was still like, it's fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It happens. Yeah. You just, you have to, I think too, like you evolve over a time where you realize, this isn't working for me. And I want to set a boundary because it's not, it's not bringing, I'm not getting anything from this at this point. Like there's no, there's no positive from maintaining Mm -hmm. this negative thing that's happening in my life, but it takes a while to get there. Big changes. Like sometimes it's that way with your job too, right? Like you can have a negative workspace, but you are scared to leave. Like change is hard. That's a big change. And Often you think, oh, it's going to be the same if I go to another company. They're going to be just as bad or da 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 Mm -hmm. So it gets really hard. You just have to learn to kind of listen to what your heart and mind is telling you instead of denying it. And we need to get better Mm -hmm. at that as a a whole. That's all. That's it. So do you have anything else to share about normal marital hatred? Any other major uh, lessons learned from that?
1: Uh, No, can't wait to experience it firsthand. Uh, Really looking forward to getting married someday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The main article discussed in this episode is from TogetherCouplesCounseling.com and is titled Normal Marital Hatred. We also did a quick Google search with those words, normal marital hatred, and found a couple other articles. So feel free to do that. We'll put a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Head on over to grownupandgrounded.com. There you will find links to all our episodes, some blog posts, and you can even email us. We'd love it if you sent us some topics you'd like us to discuss or shared some family stories. You can even just say hi. As always, we want to give a big shout out to Dave Depper, who provides the music we use in our episodes. The song you're listening to is titled Can Can 2, and we got it from the Free Music Archive. You can check out Dave at davedepper.com.